Good morning. Welcome to Real Time with IPELRA, a podcast dedicated to HR topics and local government. I'm Megan Falera. And I'm Christina White. Thanks for joining us. Today, we're talking with Andra Medea about her amazing de-escalation program. But before we get into our show today, I want to let our listeners know that IPELRA will be hosting a happy hour on December 11th. Of course, this is going to be a virtual happy hour, and we will be sending out information shortly. It'll be December 11th from 4.30 to 5.30. We have some exciting um, reindeer games to play, including a special choral reading from... um, and I, Paul, remember who is very near and dear to our hearts. There'll be an ugly sweater contest and uh, bingo as well. Our show will be on hiatus until January when we kick off the new year with an all new lineup. First episode, we will have Jeff Nowick from FMLA Insights, a very timely guest as we anticipate extensions of FICRA under FMLA in the new year. But uh, let's get our show started. Good morning, Andra. Thanks so much for joining us. How are you today? I'm great. And good morning, Megan. Good morning, Christina. Good morning. Andra, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background before we start talking about your wonderful program? Sure. Um, Well, I'm a native Chicagoan. Um, I'm from uh, originally from Market Park and West Englewood. So I grew up in a very volatile world. And like any good Chicagoan, I learned how to talk people down because it's a lot easier than finding people all the time. Um, Eventually um, ended up teaching conflict management at Northwestern University and then the University of Chicago, where, and being in the university became, um, see some of the brain research coming out and realized that what we were getting from the brain researchers on aggression and how the brain goes haywire was an exact match from what I was seeing on the streets of Chicago, um, which meant that we suddenly had some new ways entirely to bring people out of aggression. So pretty exciting stuff. Yeah, this is so exciting and and it's so timely. You um, caught our attention because you offered a training not so long ago. um, And I believe it was through um, Northern Illinois, through the Center for Governmental Studies there. Is that correct? Yes, it is. I've been uh, doing projects for them for, gosh, 10 years now, I think. And I feel like it's this is an important technique and an important program, but just so timely right now. There's so much happening in the world with um, civil unrest and just general unease um, as we are living in this global pandemic and, and this time in our universe. Can you tell us a little bit about this program, C3, how you develop this technique and how does it work? Well, uh, what C3 does is goes haywire. You know, you've got this primitive part of the brain that does fight or flight. And then you've got this higher part of the brain that is where, you know, your rationale and your thinking goes haywire. You know, it just goes offline. Well, there's a and she took those basic pieces and really um, umped the game on how we understand exactly how this works. So what happens is when you're stressed 
and you've just, oh, you've lost your job or the pandemic has shut down your restaurant or you're worried about your kids or your parents and you haven't had enough sleep, all of these things coming at you all at the same time, your stress level goes through the roof. And when stress chemicals go high enough, they literally short out the higher part of your brain. So it's not that people are refusing to be reasonable or they won't listen to you. It's that that part of the brain literally disconnects. So they actually can't do these things. And the lower part, the primitive part of the brain starts to take over big time. And they start doing some things that, you know, they really come to regret later. Yeah. I've I've heard about this. I've heard about your reptilian brain and your prefrontal cortex and all of these things and how you can work to strengthen them. And um, but this is the first program that I've heard that um, actually takes the scientific research into account. Um, Is that correct? So so what would start that where uh, since we now have a really good snapshot of what goes wrong. That's what the researchers can give us, what goes wrong. We realized that a lot of the techniques that we were seeing just on the street um, from regular people, from police, from mental health workers, were we were jump-starting the process to reset the brain to where we could wake up the higher brain and bring it back into play. And when that happens, people will stop themselves. They'll say, hey, you know, what am I, what am I doing? And they'll start to step themselves back. And who could want more than rather than us trying to wrestle that person to the ground, them realizing that they have gone way too far and, and they need to dial it down a little. This is amazing. So where have you rolled this program out and what successes have you seen? Across half the state of Iowa. And uh, it was through their mental health districts. So this went, it started out in the um, residential mental health programs where people really weren't able to live out in the world. Um, And of course, you know, Um, when people have serious mental health problems, things go wrong, things go off. Um, It rapidly spread when they realized how how useful this thing was. So it went to uh, the jails, homeless shelters. A lot of people in city halls and county board members uh, picked up on it because they were having people walk into their facilities way too hot. And, um, and, and they needed to get them to calm down before they could begin to work with them or, you know, help them work out their tax problems or whatever it was that they were quite so upset about. So it started small and then just went lateral. So it sounds like um, something that we could all benefit from. I mean, I, I think of, I, I know I saw some sort of 
um, meme about teachers. Like first it was, you asked me to teach your child. Then you asked me to parent your child. Then you asked me to this, that, and the other. I mean, I mean, it sounds like that's what we're, I mean, not even sounds like that is exactly what we're asking from our employees at the local level and our first responders right. is to not only be able to do your job, but also be able to administer, um, and control the situation and, and act as, um, therapist, act as counselor, act as, um, you know, mental health professional at times. Yeah. And, and the police will be the first to say they were never trained to be social workers. Th- this is right. not um, what they signed up for. Um, and, and just as a sidebar, uh, it, teachers have also taken up C3. That, that, that's really been very effective because right. there are kids with issues. But yes, um, professionals and we're throwing too many crises at them at the same time. Right, right. Andrea, right. You, you mentioned um, offline that this program, that there's a partnership uh, with the University of California and a grant that you, you guys are working on. Can you talk a little bit more about that aspect? Innovative program. Um, and, and the whole notion of innovation is when you, you've got problems, you just cannot solve. You need some innovation to come in. And the, uh, it's called the EPIC program. It's out of the University of California, Riverside. And what they do is they scout um, innovations that can really help move the country forward. And then they pull together like the, a great coaching team so that you go before federal programs, federal innovation programs, where you are there to do your um, evidence-based um, uh, test runs. So you may have the greatest innovation in the world, but you have to prove it, and you have to prove it to evidence-based standards. So that's where the University of California has thrown their support in helping C3 clear that bar and, uh, and have, the, have the data that can prove this to those very high standards. That's amazing. Well, congratulations on getting that partnership. And it sounds like, um, you know, you're, I'm glad that you are a, a daughter of Chicago and you're now spreading this nationwide. I know you've also had some success with the NAACP Chicago Southside program. I, it was called Chill. Can you tell us a little bit about that? I had the honor of working with the NAACP Southside, who wonderful people here in Chicago. Um, their concern was the kids. You know, we've got neighborhoods where kids are way too exposed to violence. They become overreactive and it all goes places we don't want to go. And so the NAACP Southside uh, teamed up with the NAACP Westside and together they sponsored a program out of Malcolm X College that was actually uh, financed primarily by Matt Forte, the football star. Wow. And, and what we did, we, we had all sorts of uh, kids from all over Chicago, particularly the hot neighborhoods. And uh, our team, our chill uh, instructors, taught these kids how to de-escalate themselves. Because when you're a teenager, 
you can get yourself into something that you really don't need to be in. Um, and our approach with chill was that when, when kids are teenagers, they're not that crazy about listening to adults, but right. they do really listen to uh, people like their older brothers. And so our team were, were young people who were very much like an older brother. And they would go before these kids and they would walk into uh, the room, just from the back of the room, and start a fight. And have a, just, a, a, just a furious cussing, um, out of control, over nothing fight, and then de-escalate it and dial it back to zero. And then when they had everybody's attention, then they would start explaining what they just did and how the kids could do it too. So it, it was really a lot of fun. It was a great team. We got actually got written up in the Washington Post. It, we, we, Very cool. Yeah. And the cool thing about that, Washington Post came in tracking months after this program. And the kids they tracked down could remember the techniques and were talking about using the techniques and how it changed how they went about their life. And you think about that, we, we didn't have more than half an hour with each group of kids. And months later, they're using it. So it's, uh, it's pretty easy to learn, and people really grasp onto it. So our, primarily our listening audience are our IPELRA members and friends of IPELRA. We are uh, local localities, cities, um, townships, libraries, um, other nonprofit groups. What would be your recommendation on how we could take this technique and, is it, and, and share it with our members? Is it something where we would need to train our staff or is it better suited for us training people of the community a little a little of both, could everyone benefit? What's your vision on, on how, because um, we've obviously, there's a demonstrated need for this in the world right now, but how would you foresee this being given to our, our team here? Well, you can certainly do workshops um, for your staff because I mean, who isn't having people just come in, you know, just really hot these days uh, well, right. with everything going on. Um, what we'd like to do in Iowa, we would, you know, we would do a, a workshop for staff, but then if community members really wanted to come, we would open the doors to them too. You know, because if you've, let's say you've got a teenager with autism at home, well, mm -hmm. it's going to be a lot easier for everybody if uh, the parents know some of these techniques so that you're not having to call the police. Um, and, and you can handle things in-house in a safer way. Um, but yes, we would roll it out to um, townships or county boards or you know whoever needed it. And then we, we often had a number of people just invite themselves in and just say, I'm here, I need this, I'm not going home. Right. Where's my book? I also like that. I also like that members of the community could sort of self-select to participate in it and, you know, say, hey, I do have a child who has autism. I know we've seen um, and heard stories in the news of um, people who have mental illness or maybe are suffering some sort of dementia related uh, condition and they are, are lost and run away. I mean, I think it's 
important to you know notify police and community members that you are living in their communities so that um, you have that relationship before their services are needed. Yeah, I know. You were very excited. I got an email from you yesterday um, announcing that the city of Chicago just announced it's going to be fielding two different approaches for a mental health response to 911 calls, one with police backup and one without. What can you tell us about that? Because that's really interesting. It really is. Um, the U.S. Conference of Mayors recommended that we start having a mental health that cities and townships have a mental health response, and not just keep sending the police. Um, right now, what is it? The, the stats are that someone with mental health issues uh, is 16 times more likely to be shot by police. So um, it's very high risk situations, and someone with mental health issues they are not going to be responding in a way that is going to make sense to the police. You know, they, they may not be responding to commands. They may not, they may be acting in a very erratic way. Better to have mental health people who are totally familiar with mental health issues. And so they can get a, a better grip on, you know, what to do with all this. So yes, these um, having these teams field, the 911 call comes in and they'll have uh, people on staff at the 911 centers, mental health people to route, say, okay, that's a burglary, send the police. Okay, this sounds like someone with a mental health issue. Let's send the mental health team and maybe we'll have police backup. Some other ones will be routed to where there won't have police backup. Um, and then they're going to compare these two programs and see how they perform. So cities all over the country are looking at these kinds of things. And here in Chicago, we're going to be able to see how these things roll out. That's interesting. And it also reminds me, um, and Christina, maybe you were going to go there with this, when we had Joyce on the show uh, not too long ago, and we were talking about NAMI and the onset of not, I think it's 988 or 999, the new mental health uh, crisis hotline that's going to be rolled out, I believe, next mm -hmm. year. So that if you are experiencing a mental health crisis, you would call this number as opposed to 911. Right. And this is where, um, in, in all of these programs, this is where C3 could actually help because these are, you know, you've got this great team, they've got great skills, great instincts, and we can really take those skills to a higher level. Um, we're working with a body of uh, research that, you know, nobody else has picked up on this stuff yet. So, and that's why the right. University of California has been sponsoring us to, to get the stuff out um, to these teams or to the communities where it can really be used. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And uh, I think the city of Chicago taking sort of a, a multifaceted approach to addressing mental health calls is is the right way to go. Because I think we've heard, um, especially in the last few months with, with everything going on across the country, um, you know, the differing opinions about whether or not uh, police should even be responding to situations of mental health crisis. But then you also hear from social workers that sometimes those situations can escalate and be unsafe. And so 
Uh, we certainly don't want to put social workers and mental health professionals in positions where they're at risk of harm without uh, without proper police. So I think taking the approach of having the police sort of, or the dispatchers taking the information, and I'm assuming they're going to provide training to dictate what kind of response those calls get is the, the right way to go about it so that there is a police presence if there is a situation that warrants it. Um, and, and hopefully these de-escalation techniques uh, will only further the mission of um, having a safe interaction with police, because ultimately I think our, our police professionals are out there trying to keep everyone safe and trying to de-escalate the situation. They certainly don't want things to end up in uh, in violence or in a shooting or anything like that. So I think a lot of people can benefit from these types of programs. And, you know, we're finally getting to the point where um, the country's made it a priority. Yes. And we're throwing all the knowledge we can at this. If somebody's got a better mousetrap, they've got a better system, let's check it out. Um, you know, let, let's test it. And because, you know, we want um, the people that we're, we're asking to respond to these calls, we want them to have the best support. We, we don't just want to keep throwing people into situations that where no one can win. You know, we can do better than that. Absolutely. And, and I, um, I think that it's important to look at all the different opportunities out there. You know, Megan, you may recall a few months back, we had Chris, Chief Menino, Chris Menino um, on the show. And yes. while they weren't specifically targeting mental health situations, they were targeting at-risk youth situations in their community. Um, and they came up with a program to have um, a person involved, a social worker type person involved on staff that could follow up with children who were involved in some sort of a traumatic case or an event where police were called to make sure that those kids were getting the help that they need. Um, and they've seen a lot of success with that. So I think that this is part of a much bigger puzzle, if you will, uh, of looking at all the different ways that we rely on our police officers and police personnel to respond to a variety of different situations. Um, sometimes not, not necessarily criminal situations, but mental health situations or family uh, stressor situations that they have to assist with um, and making sure that they have the right resources to partner with them and guide them to get better solutions and work with those individuals and those families um, to really help resolve the problem and heal the community. Um, it, I think that's a really important approach and I'm glad that we're starting to move in that direction and putting more of an emphasis on that. Yeah. I, um, I also would like to say, I think a lot of attention has been given to reactions of things that are happening. We see something happen in the news. We see something happen with the police. And then we have a call for action to investigate, put someone on paid leave to look at things like this. And that's where a lot of our attention and resources have been, have been driven. But this to me sounds like it's a proactive approach where we're, we're um, trying to divide and, and shift our resources to preventing these types of situations, anticipating that they're likely to occur and giving our employees, our, our 
community members, anyone involved, um, the resources to effectively prevent something from, from getting to that point where we would need to launch an investigation. Yeah. The other thing that's promising to me is um, with this recommendation coming out of the U.S. Congress um, is that there are grant funds, at least in California, being devoted to um, exploration of this type, type of technique. And I'm hopeful that with the new um, kind of call to action and attention that this is being given, that we will see that, uh, that follows suit in Illinois, that maybe grant funds will be available as we shift more emphasis and attention on proactive measures. Yeah. And, and just a, a quick word, it's the, the recommendation is coming from the U.S. Congress Conference of Mayors, uh, not necessarily right. Washington. You know, okay. you know, the mayors, okay. they have got to get it done. Right. Right. And I would also right. mention um, there was an article recently in the Daily Herald, um, Megan, that might be useful for our members, and we can certainly link it into the podcast. But they talked about how DuPage County Police Departments um, recently have been partnering with social workers from Northeast DuPage Family and Youth Services, and they've seen some success in having their therapists partner with police um, in bringing down um, domestic violence calls and um, just having some success in reunifying youths with, with families and guardians um, and, and some of the other things that happen when, uh, when you have police calls go out uh, from a mental health state instead of a, a criminal situation. So they've had some success with that. I thought the article was pretty interesting. It's very short. It's a quick read. Um, and we can, I think, link it in our podcast for people to follow up on. Yeah, I, I think we're really, um, a lot of people are pulling together a lot of specialties coming together and it's like you know we've been treating a lot of these issues sort of a, a, a blunt instrument and we can do better you know we've we've got got the we've got some tools that we can bring to the game absolutely well, Andrea, you have been a breath of fresh air on this show. You are incredibly knowledgeable, and it gives me hope. I, I would say there's just been so much hurt in 2020 in a variety of different ways, and the fact that there is um, an opportunity for healing and a way to promote and share that effort is very comforting to me. If any of our listeners would like to get in touch with you, how, how can they do that? Well, the website, if they'd like to learn more, is C. 3d.co not.com.co and there's a place you can email email me for more information there's a all sorts of good background there learn a little bit about what we've been doing and you know love to talk to your folks you know every it, 2020 has not been a fun year and if we no. can see some good come out of this I think that's what we all want. Agreed. And I can't think of a better way to end season one of Real Time with Ipalro with this message of hope and a tool to share that with our listening mm -hmm. audience. So thank you, Andra, for joining us today. And if any of our listeners have anything they want to say, if you're doing something special in your community, anything you want to add on to this episode, know that we're listening. You can always send us a recorded voice message we can play or join us on a future podcast. 
You can connect with us through the IPELRA website at www.ipelra.org and, of course, on Twitter at I-P-E-L-R-A. Support IPELRA by becoming a member. We are dedicated to providing training and resources to HR and labor professionals in local government. This is Megan, and I'm with Christina and Andra, and we are signing off for 2020. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Andra. We look forward to uh, hearing how the program develops. Good luck. Yes. This has been Real Time with IPELRA. Thank you for joining us.